Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. A great selection of pre-owned inventory. Great service department that is there for your current vehicle. With the diagnostics, with the inspections, with all the routine maintenance. And a sales staff that's there for you, whether you want one of those brand-new vehicles or whether you want one of those pre-owned vehicles. They're there for you, for the right sale for you, and the right price, the right car, all of it, part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Got another loaded show coming up today. We got... BTN's Andy Katz at 3.35 talking some college hoops as we start looking toward the fall a little bit. Off-season workouts going on across the way, including at Penn State. And also we'll get his take on some of the realignment issues that affect college hoops. We'll get into that with him coming up at 3.35. And then Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball writer, will join us at 4.06. Recapping the All-Star game last night. We're kind of recapping the first half of the season. Issues around baseball right now. So looking forward to that at 4.06 today. All-Star game won by the American League for the ninth time in a row. 3-2 last night. Giancarlo Stanton, your MVP. He had the two-run homer to tie the game. And then Buxton had the uh, go-ahead home run going back-to-back to give uh, the the American League the lead and eventually the win. And I thought it was a pretty entertaining... The the game itself is a 3-2 game, so it it was... I actually thought it had a fairly decent pace to it. And, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement as far as, like, the game itself because it's a 3-2 game, but at least it was moving. And I thought Fox did a great job with the broadcast last night. It was cool seeing the ump cam. I love seeing all the players mic'd up especially when it was Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino talking to each other, calling pitches and stuff like that. I thought that was really, really neat. You had the back and forth with uh, Garrett Cole and one of the Braves pitchers. You had Giancarlo Stan and Aaron Judge talking in the outfield. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought Fox did a great job last night. I actually liked the Big Poppy and La Casa segment too. I thought that was really funny. So I, I thought Fox did a good job last night with that with that uh, all-star broadcast. And a lot of people have been talking about 
the jerseys from last night. Everybody missing each player wearing their individual uniforms. It used to be opposite. You would do that for the game, and then you would wear like the whatever the All Star Game jersey was for the Home Run Derby. But they flip flopped it the last couple of years. I, I thought last night's looked sharp because it had the own the the unique jersey look of each team of each player, but then it was in like the actual All Star uniform. So I, I can I'm okay with that. I personally like having each. Everybody in their own jerseys for the game. But I think that's a good alternative. I thought those would look, look pretty cool last night. But I'm, I know I'm in the minority there. But that, that's just my quick two cents. Oh, and uh, Sho- Shohei Otani's call on his first swing, first pitch, first swing. And he ends up getting a hit on the first pitch. That was pretty fun, too, to, to start that. Yeah, but overall, I, I think Fox did a uh, pretty good job with the broadcast last night. And the American League wins it for the ninth year in a row. And so we resume the second half of the season coming up tomorrow, I believe, for some teams. Everybody else will be on Friday. So we'll talk about that. Bob Nightingale today, 406, and Andy Katz from BTN coming up at 335. So, SEC Media Days continues down in Atlanta. ACC Media Days started today. <laughs> I, I think you know if you... I, I didn't see anything live, but just from following everybody that's there on social media and seeing how much... Apparently, Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, had like a 20-minute opening statement, and it was just basically him rambling... He knows his conference, I think, is in deep doo-doo. I can, I can just tell him I'm not, I'm not, I didn't even watch it. Just based on what I've been hearing from how things have gone today. Of course, he says he flavor, he, the conference favors expansion. Of course, he thinks that everybody's going to stick with the grant of rights deal, through, which, of course, is through 2036. And he says he's confident that Notre Dame would come to the ACC if they decided to not become independent anymore. And you know what that theme is just from all of day one of ACC media days from Jim Phillips alone? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, Of course, you're going to want playoff expansion. But that's not going to happen as of right now. Of course, you're confident that all the teams in the ACC are going to stick to the grant of rights deal. Now, of course, if you were to leave it, it's going to be a very, very hefty price. So maybe he is kind of right about that. But still, you know everybody's talking. Especially teams, especially schools, I should say, like a Clemson, for instance, even though, you know, Steve and I have talked about before that they're not that big brand. They're actually not that attractive to the SEC or the Big Ten right now. They're just not. And we went, we went through those those reasons why yesterday and yesterday's show so you have that and the biggest thing I laughed at was this Notre Dame thing of course they're not done with the ACC anymore if they I think Notre Dame and the ACC's relationship has been cute as a Notre Dame fan I think it's been kind of dumb personally because 
they're still independent regardless, yet they still have to play these five games. So it's like being at a conference, but with not, but you're not in the conference when it comes to football. Basketball, they are. So, I, so you know, that's whatever there. But football has just kind of been, yeah, we'll be in it, but then not really. We, Notre Dame's just kind of doing what they want. Because they can, because of the Notre Dame. They're the brand. But if they feel like they have to move, make a move based on where things are going, of course they're going to the Big Ten. Stop. But I know he's just trying to protect his conference. I get it. I get it. But I just, I think that I, I just got the biggest laugh out of that. That yeah, you've been trying for years to get them into the ace to the ACC for football, and they're kind of in it, but not really. They're required to play like five teams a season, and then they can do what whatever else they want, and then they're in for basketball. <laughs> if they're gonna go anywhere, they're going to the Big Ten, and they should go to the Big Ten. As I said, as being an Notre Dame fan for a while now, they need to get out of this independent nonsense and get into a conference I've I've been an advocate of that really since the college football playoff has gone the way it is in terms of who's been able to get in who's been able to make a lot of noise the committee who's picked that that types those types of things Be, being an independent has not helped Notre Dame because they haven't been able to play in a conference championship game to up their resume well, I think also for Notre Dame, a lot of uh, Notre Dame fans are not enamored with the ACC part of the schedule. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I just said before you came on, Steve, you know, Jim Phillips today during ACC media days said, oh, I'm confident that if Notre Dame wants to join a conference, they'll come to the ACC. Eh, that's funny. Because guess what? If they would to, if they would have, they would have they wouldn't have been flirting with the ACC, I call it, the last couple of years, where they'll just – play a couple of teams in the ACC and then do whatever else they want and then just be in it for basketball. They would have been yeah, in were... it by now. So they're not going to be in it. If they're going to be in a conference, they're going to go to the Big Ten. Case closed. I, I, but what do you expect Jim to say? I know. I know. He's just trying to protect the conference. I, I said before, he knows his conference is in deep doo-doo with the way he rambled and rambled and rambled today at Media Day. Well, but he has no, But you, to be honest with you, he has nothing to do with it, though. You do know that, right? Oh, I know. I, I, but... Jim, Jim, Jim has nothing to do with where the ACC is right now. He inherited this. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right? They've been caught the, in the middle of yeah. this. Well, he caught in the middle, and the reason he's caught in the middle of it, to be honest with you, it actually boils down to the university presidents in the ACC. They're the ones that there was a group of them that wanted an ACC network to showcase all the other sports. So in order to do it, they took less money. So right now, they're in a holding pattern till 2036 on their rights. Now, if Notre Dame came in full-time, they know darn well that is their way of getting more money. That's their way of getting... If Notre Dame comes in, they can renegotiate the contract. And they know that. That is the only way to do it. And the ACC understands that the ACC cannot do anything unless they bring in somebody else. And it has to be a home run. If they don't, well, you know what that means. That means that they are stuck at the number they're in 
and the schools are stuck with the grant of rights they're in and that contract for another 14 years. Uh, we're going to talk to Andy Katz a little bit about this in the next half hour. Bob Nightingale. I thought Aaron Judge gave a great answer last night about staying with the Yankees. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah, Marley that Rivera really asked well. him that. That went really well. Yeah, he's gone. All right. Uh, I also laughed, too, about John Carlos Stanton's home run. Exactly what you need did that happen in? <laughs> That's true. It was in the fourth. <laughs> Even in the All-Star uh... game, he can't break pattern. <laughs> but technically, it, it was the game-tying home run. It changed the game. American League won because then Buxton hits the home run after him to go back-to-back. American League hangs uh, on to win. American League pitchers retired 20 batters in a row. Yeah. At least the game uh, was moving last night. I guess. I, I I only saw Big Poppy in the dugout, and then I was done. Um, I that was a tremendous this. segment. Yeah. So, yeah. And the... What do you say to little Jacob? Yeah, well, there's a lot of great Yankees out there, Jacob. I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm not going back to that hole. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to Bob. Look, she caught him off guard with the question, okay? Oh, yeah, he no question. He did, he did not expect that question. You know, an in-game interview, and now suddenly I don't know where we're going to do breaking news. What? Come on. Uh, no. We'll have Bob Nightingale on to talk about that as well. Because uh, it sounds like the A's are going to bid on Aaron Judge. No, I'm just kidding. And Oh, my almighty! But that's the bottom line with a lot of these guys. The, the pool that you can choose from that can give you a contract is small. <laughs> Very small. And they don't always work out. Look at Javi Baez, big contract Detroit. Has he paid off? No. All right. So, yeah, Notre Dame, uh, they want uh, $75 million. I always love when these stories come out and people overreact to it. Like like how people don't have the – like some people don't have the ability to think. They just react. Notre Dame wants to say, ah, Notre Dame wants to so they think they're worth $75 million. Well, guess what? They're trying to throw a negotiating number out there that they know they're not going to get, but they do need to know, but they do need the network to know that, hey, look, we think we're on par with the Big Ten team. We think we're on par with an SEC team. We think we should be getting that kind of money. NBC will come back with, we think you're you're really good, but. And then that's how you negotiate. Okay, they throw out $75 million. But Notre Dame also knows this. They are the only brand left out there in college sports that can take your existing number and make it bigger. The only ones. And remember, the higher the number that you get in media rights, it automatically eliminates a number of schools that can increase the number. So, so in other words, Oregon and Washington could go to the ACC 
and what are they getting, like 32, 33 million to school? If Oregon and Washington just say goes to the ACC, each school could probably get to maybe 40 million, 45. Those two would come in, and even though it would be more mouths at the table to feed, they would bring enough brand power to increase everybody's number. But if you go to the Big Ten, can either one of them take 80 and make it 85? 90? Can either one of them take 100 and make it 110? See, that's a bigger number. All they're going to do if they go to the Big Ten or the SEC, Washington, Oregon, as fine a brands as they are, they're good brands, but they aren't strong enough to take a big number and make it bigger per school. You know, they can go to an ACC or a Big 12 and they can take 30 to 35 million, and by being there, they can maybe get the number up to 40, 45 million, maybe 50. But now when you're talking about, do you have the impact to go to take a conference from 100 to 110? No. You can't add somebody that dilutes the product. I, you know, you know, that's why I've sympathized with Dave Ritchie all these years. All right, we'll come back, what, with more in a moment. <laughs> S-U-I-T, that spells suit On News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, Andy Katz in the next half hour. Bob Nightingale in, at 4.06 on baseball. After show, Suit recounts his greatest broadcasting moments. That'll be from 5.15 to 5.15.30. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, the best in brands. All with great warranties. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And... A great service department that handles everything. Routine, oil changes, inspections, diagnostics. They handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online, sunburymotors.com. Just trying to check in the interest we have in that 515 to 515 30 slot. So far, nobody's signed up. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! That includes... Uh, that includes people that feel like the pressure because of him to sign up. They still, Not even they'll do it. Okay. There you go. All right. So let's talk some basketball now. Then we'll talk some baseball. Okay. And... As we 
talk some basketball with Andy Katz. I am going to ask him about the Notre Dame thing. They have the $15 million a year average TV contract, which is lower than what they get in the ACC. Hmm. Maybe they should go to the ACC. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! It'd be the easiest path for them to get to the playoff, right? In this current state, yes. If you ask me about two or three seasons ago when Clemson was still good, I'd say that'd be their only challenge. I'll say this. I'll say this. Freeman is recruiting his backside off. Yes, he has. He, he is recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Now, whether or not it pays off in the field, we'll see. But, yeah. But they're the only chip left in the game. Right? The longer it goes where other people are not invited, and it's now been three weeks, the more it indicates that there's no interest in inviting you. Correct? Uh, One would think. I mean, since day one, the suit's been waiting for that invitation to have dinner with Cale Sanderson. (laughs) At some point, you got to get the hint. <laughs> With that, we bring in Andy Katz, BTN. Andy, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so you've had some a couple of really terrific interviews here along the way. I want to start with the one with Drew Timmy uh, because Timmy's always fun and engaging. What were some of the factors for Drew in deciding, you know what, no NBA, I've got to come back for one more year? Well, he's a great example of NIL benefiting college basketball. And it's unfortunate that it took this long and there was short-sightedness from university presidents because um, players like Drew, like I would say Armando Baycott, uh, Chase Jackson Davis, who are second-round picks, um, essentially undrafted, and I'm not saying necessarily those three, but uh, players that are second-round draft picks, um, in the past would have gone without question, try their luck, see if they can make something. Now, legitimately, they can make more money, uh, you know, by returning to college basketball, whether that's six figures or uh, significantly, you know, higher within the six figures. And the other thing is, I do think this is all a product of the post uh, pandemic, in that, you know, this past year, for the most part, you know, we had college basketball without restrictions, obviously, in January with Omicron. That set us back, uh, country, but, I mean, within the sport, within the sport, with some restrictions and masking and things of that nature and players being out because of testing positive. But it was obviously more normal than we had the year before. And I do think that getting the taste of a sort of normal NCAA tournament and the experience of playing in front of packed crowds um, you know, there, there, there's an addiction to that in a good way and something that a lot of these players want to continue to experience at least one more year. And I think that factor with uh, the NIL um, all contributed to players like Timmy 
saying, you know what, <laughs> this is pretty good. I'm going to at least uh, ride this out uh, for another year. Yeah, in Trace Jackson Davis's case, look, he has some NIL already set up at Indiana, which helps him. And then, of course, right when he got to the NBA draft process, he got COVID. I think that helped make the decision for him. Uh, yeah, and, and there's no question. In fact, I mean, you know, that's a huge factor for him. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, even if he had been healthy. Oh, no, um, he had to come back. Yeah, because he, he just was not someone who was a lock. Right, and you and I both know you really. If you're not a first round pick, you're really, and you're a second round pick. It's you're you're kind of skirting the possibility of making the team even at that point. That's just the way the NBA is. Now, a guy that will make his team is Keegan Murray with Sacramento. So he leaves his twin brother quote behind, and now Chris is going to be, you know, obviously the prime time go to guy at at Iowa. You know, you you talked with him. You know, that's, that means he's got to take on the mantle of this. How, how do you think he's reacting to it? Oh, I think he's embracing it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hate to compare him and Jordan Davis. It's not fair. It's, you know, right. pretty unique that we've got two sets of twins in the Big Ten. One leaves, for the, you know, one each leaves for the lottery and the others are left behind. Uh, but Chris Murray is certainly, I think, uh, in more of a ready position to take that mantle from his brother than Jordan is from Johnny. Yeah. I do think Jordan's role is going to increase. And I talked to him the previous uh, two weeks, you know, at Wisconsin. Um, and, and I think he'll make shots, um, but he's not going to be the go-to guy. That's going to be more Chucky Hepburn or Tyler Wall. Whereas Chris Murray, who at the end of the season certainly was taking some big shots, even in that Richmond game, I think it was, um, you know, he will be in position um, to to increase his Productivity. I mean, to go from nine points a game to 15 to 17, maybe. I don't know if he's a 22, 23 point a game scorer like his brother, but he certainly could be a mid teen per game scorer. Uh, and that's something that I was going to need. And yeah, no question that they're going to need that along the way. What about the rebuild at Illinois? Uh, because you know, they've got an interesting route, they've had some, some good recruits come in. Interesting transfers, but they did lose the core of what they have. How interested are you in the rebuild they have going on there? Um, significantly. I mean, I, if all the pieces fit, they're going to be one of those teams that I think could be, uh, you know, certainly a factor, um, you know, in the Big Ten. Sky Clark, uh, yeah. you know, they, they were high pro, high profile uh, point guard. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, I think, is going to have a big time year. He's returning, uh, getting. Matthew Meyer from Baylor is a kind of grinder that Brad Underwood loves and he could make some big shots for them. Uh, so th- there's no question the pieces exist for Illinois to, to be in the thick of it. You know, you may not ask me, but I'm going to tell you, the team that I think people are sleeping on that returns more than, than uh, people might imagine is Rutgers. Yes, I, do. I think their core, their core three with Kayla McConnell, yep. who is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Paul McKee, and then Cliff Amore, I think, is going to have a big-time season for Rutgers. Um, you know, they obviously miss Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., but having that core three back uh, and the rack being full and, you know, Michael Tomey loves his recruits, and, you know, they all say that, but we'll see. Uh, I think it's significant with the chances for Rutgers to take uh, to, to be, you know, in the, in, in the chase for a bid. And as we know in the Big Ten, if you can finish somewhere in that top eight, you know, you're probably going to go in, and then after that, you're on the bubble, and you never know. McConnell is an excellent defender, 
with length, and not only that, has become a better offensive player. Amori, Dick Girardi, and I last year, and you know, obviously we did the times that we did the Penn State Rutgers games. So impressed by you know, because I know he was hurt his first year, but he really came on last year. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's elastic man. I mean, he just sort of yeah, just you know, he dunks the ball so quickly. Uh, it's really amazing, just uh, you know, a how much he's improved and um, his ability to affect the game in a variety of ways. I think is only going to, you know, continue to have Rutgers be a team that's going to be very difficult to deal with. I have to ask you about obviously Micah Shrewsbury went through his first year. Uh, he could not recruit anybody, so it was it was transfers. Once he got the job, what did you think of the job he did in year one to then start setting up year two? You know, solid. I mean, look, if the recruit, if the transfers give them the contributions that um, he expects. You know, and, and they've got a core back. I mean, look, losing John Hare is significant because yep. he was the heart and soul of the team. Uh, so you're going to need to find a player who's going to give you those kind of minutes, um, who's going to be, you know, diving on the floor, motivating everyone, using his body just to, just you know, to 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 uh, try to um, uh, will will the, the Nittany Lions. To, to out of a possession, you know, just by just using his uh, just in any way he can to just be around the basketball and make things happen. He always knew when John was on the floor. You know, he was never invisible. And if they can have someone who um, does that for them, um, won't be the same guy. But I mean, if they can have someone who can provide that for them, that's going to be significant. Yeah, obviously, in the forty years I've broadcast Penn State now, now going to forty-one. 30 of them have been in the Big Ten. And, you know, there's certain cycles, and I feel like the Big Ten's been in an incredible cycle the last three, four years of high-level teams and almost the ability of anybody can knock off anybody on a given night. Down the road, USC and UCLA get into this mix. You know Andy Infield. You know Mick Cronin. What will they bring to the table that will then, you know, that could not only enhance but also change the dynamic of the conference? Well, I mean, what, what, you've, what, what the Big Ten has done immediately is they've added two more programs that are, I think, will be and have been for the most part in the last, you know, whatever, five, six years, perennial and totally tournament team. And uh, I think there's only one time in the last nine years that one of them wasn't in the tournament. So uh, that immediately is going to help. Not See, I don't think that's taking away bids. I think that's adding bids. I, I do, I too. I think we're going to go from – you know, potentially nine out of 14 to 11 out of 16. I agree. And, you know, the SEC might do the same if they have a good year. But the strength of the Big Ten, is, you know, is not going to diminish. And what it also does is, as the season progresses, and this is the reason that, you know, Rutgers, I think, got in, was as difficult as their final six games were last year, they went four and two, and all six of those teams were tournament teams. And so if you have a schedule where the you know the last six teams you're trying to get in the tournament against all tournament-type teams, you got a good chance. And, you know, I, I go back to 2018, the year that Penn State and Nebraska were close but didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And the problem for both of them was they didn't beat the top three. 
Now, that year was the, the one down year recently in the Big Ten. Right. And, you know, uh, that's, that's going to be an anomaly when we look back at this sort of the cycle. And, you know, for the most part, you're going to have opportunities. I mean, we always hear every year, I mean, we're on the set, and we're all, oh, look how hard the schedule is. they got to play X amount of teams in a row. The reality is, uh, if you want to be in the tournament, if you're a marginal team or you're on the bubble, that's what you want because that's going to help you get in over the third-place A-10 team if you're a bubble Big Ten or the second Valley or what have you. I mean, you need these opportunities, and that's what USC and UCLA are going to provide. Um, you know, to me, the most interesting thing will be scheduling. You know, do we stay at 20? Does every school get to go out to L.A. once, or is it like you go once, you play two, and then you skip a year? Um, you know, everyone's going to want to go to Southern California because <laughs> for recruiting yeah. and – a nice little break. And, and here's the thing, and, um, and I'm speaking through men's basketball, right. which I do think obviously women's basketball will have to get the same um, uh, charter aspect, which I do think will come, but I think they're going to have to do that. Yes. Because uh, football is once a week. But, with, with you know, they're going to be able to fly um, charter and, you know, and, and get it done. Whereas, you know, I mean, think about, you know, Rutgers to Nebraska. The issue, of course, will be how they figure out the Olympic sports because obviously yeah. you can't uh, have everyone play everyone all the time across the country. So that, that's, you know, the, the most interesting thing they're going to have to figure out. But in basketball and football, for the men and the women, and then in football, I do think it's all doable because of the money coming in and yeah. the ability to use uh, private plans. All right, so I guess you were asked this before <laughs> before you started here, so I'll bring it up now. Everybody asks about Notre Dame all the time. So what's your viewpoint on that? Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to go to a conference, Big Ten or ACC, unless they have to. Yep. Now the question is, do they have to? Um, uh, to me, the most interesting thing I think we'll know here shortly, okay, is in the next month, if NBC has a piece of the Big Ten. You know, I think that could be an indicator that helps Notre Dame get in the Big Ten. Yeah. If NBC does not, um, you know, then maybe it doesn't happen. Um, obviously, for the Olympic sports I'm talking about, they're a natural fit. They're a natural fit in the footprint for all sports, actually. But um, they're more of a, a footprint, you know, in the Big Ten, you know, than the ACC. They have that deal. Um, you know, it's worked well for all their other sports to be in the ACC. The ACC is not going to want them to go. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think the era of the independence is gone, and in, in, yeah. in even in college football, mm -hmm. uh, or it's fading. But we'll see if they're sort of the last one. I mean, BYU obviously tried it, and, you know, they went into the Big 12. <laughs> um, I don't think it's, you know, they're literally the only school that has even a slither of a chance of making it sustainable, but only if they have that, you know, television contract. Right. If NBC either A is not doing Notre Dame or is not folded into something like the Big Ten, then yes, I think they're going to be desperate to get in either the Big Ten or the ACC. But we'll wait and see how that plays out. Final question is actually about you. You're an outstanding reporter, in tune, great sources. As time has gone and you have to be versatile in this, more and more, lots of TV. You know, some of it's been as a reporter, some in the studio, but now doing games as well. What has that transition been like for you? No, I love it. I mean, I love the diversity of 
of being able to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, when I left ESPN in 2017, uh, I feel like I've been able to do more. Um, you know, I, I, uh, the digital space was a space when I was at ESPN that I jumped into. And I think those that did not embrace it have been left aside that you have to. And I've had plenty of times where I've been a one-man band, you know, uh, recording, videoing, and, and getting content up. I've always believed content is king. And I think that's what's helped me, you know, to quote a March Madness phrase, survive in advance, mm-hmm. uh, to continue to adapt. And I think that, that's my advice when I talk to people. You've got to be able to do a variety of things. Um, and look, you know, we've, we've seen this. I, I You know, your partner, um, I mean, he's the ultimate sort of grinder, you know, uh, reporter from a newspaper. Yep. And he's obviously transitioned well in being an analyst for Penn State basketball. Um, probably not something he thought he was going to be doing in the, in, at the beginning of his career, but he adjusted and, and has adapted. Yeah, and he's he's great at it too, but I'm extremely prejudiced. So, <laughs> Andy, it's always a pleasure. Great work, whatever. And by the way, that's the exact advice that I give to my broadcasting class every every semester. I tell them straight out: Look, we're trying to promote versatility because you need to figure out ways to survive in this business. That's why. And I will just say, Steve, before you let me go, I will just say, yeah. great move by Penn State to move the students. Yeah. Um, you yes. know, I've talked to many people at Penn State. I was there this season. I know how difficult it is during the week. Get people to come to a weeknight game in the winter. So I get it. So that's why you've got to adjust to make it look better on television, make it feel more intimate, yep. certainly on those weeknight games. I totally agree. And uh, that's – now. And, and in other words, you, the camera's going to shoot at the bench. What's going to be behind the bench? Kids jumping up and down and excited, and it looks like it looks like it's active and alive. Yes. Andy, thanks. Yep, Andy, thanks so much. Appreciate your time very much. All right, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, why uh, up in the WKOK broadcast booth on Friday nights, there's Suit Light and a couple of his friends jumping up and down the back of the suit to make it seem like it's fun and active up there. I tried to point out to him. F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells foul. I tried to point out to him it was radio. All right, as we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair.